Welcome to our 72nd episode of Breaking Bread with C. My name is Celeste Mundu. I am your host on this podcast. Last time we discussed the strategy for the season and we talked about consecration. God is doing something so great and mighty in the world, starting with the body of Christ. Think of it as when you choose a day to perform a deep clean for your house. Such is what the Lord is doing. And because he is fair and just, he begins with his own before he can extend the judgment to the heathen. I recommend you listen to that episode and continue in the same chronological manner, especially for this year, because it's one that shall be consistent with purging evil from among us. Today, the Spirit of the Lord impressed it on my heart to teach on the patterns of being a good student of the Spirit. There are things that you may never read in a book, study in school, or watch in a documentary. Not because they are unattainable or unknown, but because they require your spirit to be engaged and to be attuned to a realm that is beyond what you can see with your eyes. And that is about being a student of the Spirit. If we have the nature of God indeed engrafted in us, as Paul says, then God is infinite and he's all-knowing. Our lives should be consistent with this reality too, wherewith we learn beyond what is finite, time-bound, or predictable as for all men. And I think the Lord enables us to study these things, to have people who have gone ahead of us so that we might be able to redeem time. Every man and woman who is under a spiritual um, authority of a man of God or a woman of God, they have the privilege, if they're called for ministry, for example, they have the privilege of not making the same mistakes that their leader has made because somebody has already gone through that. If they're teachable and they have a heart that receives counsel, they're able to be spared the consequences that perhaps their leader has had to go through when they were learning for themselves. And this is how some situations are redeemed and God gives a man or a woman the authority to lead you, knowing that what took them three years perhaps will take you one year because you are teachable and you're able to receive from them and they are able to pour into you as well and I will break this teaching into three important points I want to make this a short one so that you're able to understand you're able to connect and that we don't just have many words that have not made an, an impression on our hearts and I want to talk about three important points in this aspect of becoming students of the spirit the first one is imitation the second one is submission and the third one is accountability and for as it pertains to imitation Paul writes to the Corinth church that they should imitate him as he imitates Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. The reason he gives such an instruction is because the church in Corinth had believers that had a zeal for God. They were newly saved. Christ had just recently died and the message was spreading across the nations. The disciples were telling 
friends and 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 making disciples themselves who were also now spreading the word of God but they had not yet fully understood that this God they're serving there's an allegiance to him and the single-mindedness that is required of a believer by this God let me explain what this means the nations to which Paul had been called the Gentiles some of them were in Greece for example and Greece is known for having multiple god that they worshiped Greece is known for having the god of fertility the god of wealth the god of this and that the god of um healing the god of this so they had a nature they had a culture of just having multiple gods to which they worship to which they sacrifice to which they respond to and now they have converted to christ and there is only one true god and it's god the father god the son and god the spirit okay so they are being introduced to a new notion of worship that they have never seen before it's a new model so it is impossible for them not to be expected to make certain mistakes that are rooted in their previous culture of worshiping multiple gods they still have a difficulty fully grasping trusting or even understanding that i can pray to just one god if i want a baby one god if i want marriage one god if i want a promotion at work one god if i want to build a career one god if i want to simply have a communion plus i can approach him with boldness i can speak to him these things were foreign to them so when paul tells him imitate me as i imitate christ it's not saying that paul himself is making a standard of himself they were they, they were familiar with different kinds of worship and they had multiple gods and naturally had that journey to learn the true one god and how to worship him in spirit and in truth so paul suggests this not as a way of condescending them or um bringing an instruction or even a way of boasting and setting him as a standard like i said but as a way to help them have a human being they may relate to who carries an understanding of the christ they did not and he himself he would be relating to christ that's why even in that scripture he says imitate me as i imitate christ he does not end the sentence at imitate me and much later in the writings he will say no you imitate christ because he sees that they've come to a certain understanding that allows them to discern the things that are ethical and that are divine now this is where many people miss it we are raised in a world where we think imitation is a shame and everyone wants to be original which is not wrong in itself uh it's not a bad thing to want to be original but we omit an eternal principle that Solomon talked about in Ecclesiastes 1:9 when he said there is nothing new under the sun the 
clothes that we wear in these days for example flare pants those things existed in the 1980s those things were on were fashionable in the 1920s but it's coming back it's not coming back because people have ran out of ideas or people have ran out of things to wear it's because what was shall be there will be one man or one woman who dresses up in that flare pant and then gives it another relevance in a new season in a new age not the new age of witchcraft but if it was there in the 1920s and then today in 2024 somebody a person of influence wears it then they redefine its relevance in a time when it did not have any form of relevance so it is with every creation every exploit everything that we will ever come to but there is always a uniqueness that is added because we follow christ we have access to a divine knowledge a divine understanding a divine revelation that can set apart what you're doing you are in the business of selling shoes but you have a revelation of christ that your next door neighbor does not have therefore your business thrives and yet your shoes have nothing special to them but they have the hand of god on over your business you have a revelation you tithe you give you you help the poor or you have a way that you honor the people that work for you they never want to leave because you look after every time you make profit you look after their needs you pay their insurances you pay them on time there are these principles that will just make you be able to increase and to grow you are honest you don't make promises on which you won't deliver as a business person some of you might be in these fields but you don't prosper because there are few things that you are already wanting in and you don't want to correct that if somebody works for you it doesn't matter if it's a private business or a company or a conglomerate just make sure you pay them on time they are there at work every single day they are giving of their time they're giving of their expertise they are there whether it rains whether it shines the least you can do is reward them for the fact that they're doing their work there are some employers who act like their employees are volunteers How do you think this person is commuting to work? How do you think this person is eating? How do you think this person is paying this or that? Why would you assume that you have a more pressing need to use that money for than the person who has agreed to work under you? Those are some of the things that grieve the heart of God. They grieve the spirit of the Lord because it shows that you are not able to be trusted. And that becomes a snare. I once explained what a snare is. That becomes a snare onto your business. That becomes a snare onto your journey. You could have been fruitful. But that person you offended in 2010 when you started that business has become a snare unto you because it communicated to heaven that you were not trustworthy. That you do not value the, 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 the things that make your employees grow. The things that make your company 
it grow. And so God can see that if you can wrong one person, then why would he grow your business to having 10 or 12 employees if you're going to do the same thing? After all, there's nothing that proves that you're going to treat the 12 any better than you have treated the one that is there. So there will always be someone who has done something you desire to do. And this is a good thing. If you are humble enough to study their pattern, or if you have access to them and even better look for them and ask them to teach you their ways, if they are willing, you will achieve so much more than being conceited in your own ways. This does not remove again the uniqueness that God has placed in every man, but that uniqueness will become the touch of your originality. And remember, the race is neither to the swift, the battle to the strong, bread is not to the wise or riches to men of skill because time and chance happen to all. That's Ecclesiastes 9.11. The Lord has de- has designated a system that will advantage the man who does right. And even the man who does wrong might be found with a few things that he has done right that are principles that show their trust. My father in the Lord likes to give a great example of 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 the, the 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 people who are in the arab community we know people in dubai, in dubai for example or a lot of shays and muslims who are very wealthy people and yet they don't have a relationship with christ matter of fact they're richer than many believers what is it that advantage advantages them what is it that causes their 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 work their craft to go forth and to grow and to have all of these good things going on for them it's those principles it's those things that are basic that show heaven that i am serious about what i'm doing so should you be and when this scripture in Ecclesiastes 9.11 makes sense to you, you realize that when rain comes, it does not fall over the plantations of only believers. If we're talking about agriculture, if your next door neighbor is not a believer, rain will not just fall in the compound that has your house in it and your, and, and your ground and your uh, field where you cultivate, for example. It will fall on, on the whole land and many will have their they, they will have their um, their harvest regardless. So you need to understand that God plays no favoritism and he's not going to start with us as believers. If anything, parents are more strict with their children than they are with other people's children. They might correct them, but it would be hypocritical of you as a parent to try and correct my child about something in which your own child is not excelling in. To. If they are excelling, then I would have no problem with you teaching the way to my child or even giving me advice because I can observe that pattern working in the life of your child. But you have no ground on which to stand on to tell me to do something that your own child is not excelling into. Number two, submission. If we come to matters of the Lord, there was none like Paul. Again, he had the best education. He was of patriarchal descendant, a son of Benjamin. He was part of the Pharisees, the wisest 
people that existed at the time in matters concerning the scriptures. He was wiser than many of his peers. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a pure-blooded Israelite, as Philippians 3.5 says. Yet he still had it wrong concerning the message of Christ. When he gives his biography in uh, Acts 22, verse 3, you can take time and read that chapter, chapter 22 of Acts. You realize that if you study Paul, there was none that was best educated than him. And of course, naturally so, he was a Pharisee. But he had even been brought up under the hands of one of the greatest teachers of the law of the time called Gamaliel. And yet he's the one who could not recognize this very Messiah he was learning. And so when Jesus appears to Paul, he says, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting the Christians? Why are you persecuting this and that? It is important for us to understand that as believers, even as people, just generally men and women in the world, they're all children of God. Whether they acknowledge him or not, he still created them. So when Jesus appears to Paul, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church or why are you persecuting my people? No, he says, why are you persecuting me? Because all of us belong to to God, whether we acknowledge it or not. When we acknowledge it, then there's a two-way street relationship that comes in, and that's through salvation. Now we have a sonship. We can just, you can just belong to a nation, but maybe you don't identify with it. Or you can be Rwandan and then born outside of the country, but it does not remove the fact that you are Rwandan because you are of Rwandan descent. So it is with God. You might or might not believe in him. You might or might not believe in the word. You might or might not even adhere to anything that is spoken of him. And yet you will still believe to him. So submission has been perverted since the days of Adam and Eve, yet it is one of the greatest powers that God has given mankind. It is up to us to willfully choose it, and this is what becomes the stumbling block for many people. You would think it should be imposed on us seeing the benefits that come from it. And we do have some agendas in the world that have brought shame to it, that portrayed as an insult that a woman may submit to her husband or a worker to their master or a child to their parent or parents. Yet all these are biblical principles that are set to advantage us. The word submit appears at least 12 times in the Bible when you speak of the King James Version, which is the closest to the original translation. And 12 signifies the power, the authority, and the perfect governmental authority of God. This is very imperative to understand because 12, that's why Jesus had 12 disciples. That's why we have 12 patriarchs. Every time it touches the establishment of a rule that is godly, they will be the number 12. So the fact that submission is represented 12 times in scripture is for us to understand that where there is submission, there is a power and an authority and the perfect government that is divine by God. And for that matter, consequently, everything that you do in submission will prosper. 
And it's imperative that as a believer, you carry that understanding, that consciousness, because when it comes to submission, there is never a time you will submit and not receive something in return. You don't do it for that reason, but you do it with an understanding that it is said to pacify. When there is a conflict, for example, if you are the first one to simply calm down or the first one to have the soft speech or the first one to yield, the Bible says yielding pacifies offense. If there is three siblings or two siblings and then a parent is giving them something, um, say it's a pastry or something that they would enjoy having for whatever reason, this person decides, okay, you give it to the younger one. Then you avoid the conflict of the back and forth or just the parent deciding to refuse it for both of you. I remember that's how my mom used to do it. If we are not able to yield something to the youngest among us at that point, then she would withhold it altogether. So none will have it. It's either you share. If you're not able to share, if it's not something shareable, we leave it to the youngest. And that kind of, that kind of thing pacifies offense. If your husband walks in the room upset, you don't go around poking at him and adding other words to stir up his anger. If your wife has a certain um, attitude today or she's being hormonal or something is going on, you don't just come and impose yourself on them and try. The, the least you can do is try to understand where they're coming from, what caused this mood. And so forth and on. Because even to God, when you submit to God, you don't do things begrudgingly. You start to enjoy what you are doing in service of the Lord. If you don't want to move because you don't understand, the Bible says he does not despise those who ask for wisdom. Ask him. Tell him, okay, God, I want, I desire to do your will in this part, but I really don't understand. It's like everything in me is against it, yet I know everything. Everything that you speak, everything that you do, everything that you advise is already good. So why is it that in me everything is against it? Is it rebellion? Is it a seed that's been planted in me that wants to go against what you're saying? Help me. And I tell you, God comes through. God tells you. God guides you. God sends people to counsel you. God leads you to scripture that will teach you that very thing. God can raise your spiritual father or your spiritual mother or the pastor at your church to talk about that very thing for your sake that you may have guidance in the things that you're going to do so paul paints a picture of us what the hierarchy looks like when it comes to submission everyone placed under you is one whom you will have to respond to before god respond for sorry respond for before god for example i'm a minister of the gospel if i have people who receive from my altar I am obliged to pray for them. I am obliged to sit in the presence of God and inquire what is going on in their lives. How can I stand with them? How can I give them counsel that comes straight from you? What are the areas where they are not listening to you? What are the areas where they can't hear you for themselves? And how can I stand in that gap? It is my responsibility to do so. Now, there is a responsibility that is on you to receive because if you have acknowledged 
acknowledged me as such in your life by the Spirit of the Lord, there is a grace you have been given to listen to what I'm telling you. There is a grace that you have received to study a certain thing or to receive, even if it's rebuke, you receive it from me and you don't take it with offense because you know I'm speaking from a place of love. And there is a, 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 a there is also an attack on that very often because Satan can see that there is someone who's showing you the right way or there's someone who's giving you counsel that's going to redeem time for you, that's going to redeem years for you. And if you go that route, then you will prosper. And then he decides to cause some kind of conflict or decides to cause some kind of offense in your heart. And then now you don't have a covering over you because you cannot be able to discern that this person is speaking from love. And this is a topic that I will teach on expansively, um, God willing, sooner as the Lord leads us. But it's very important to submit to the ways of the Spirit. There is nothing that God has said that is not said to advantage us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, The plans that I have for you, I know the plans that I have for you. It's plans to give you a future. It's plans to give you hope and not to harm you. So everything, it doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter the passage through which it grows in the end it is set to advantage you because that is who god is and he is there for us he's there to increase us he's there to teach us he's there to make us even better and brighter and make our shine our light shine brighter and brighter into a marvelous light he's there to transform us like christ making us look like christ daily so there is no way anything that comes from the hand of god can be harmful to you i need you to understand this reality don't listen to your feelings feelings are not the truth feelings are emotions that god gave us so that we may be able to express ourselves we may be able to relate with one another we may be able to have compassion for one another we may be able to see or mourn with someone and be like i understand what it feels like to lose a parent and you stand in the gap for this person but they are not the truth and the fact that they are not the truth is the reason why they change it's the reason why you're sad today but you're happy tomorrow it's the reason why you have a feeling of something today it's the reason why you have a breakup and then it's painful for a season and then it's not painful anymore it's because feelings are not the truth because truth is eternal and and truth is jesus christ So everything that comes from his hand is set to advantage you. I pray you, child of God, that you will not exalt your feelings about the truth of God. Everyone who is placed under you will have to respond to God for that. I just give you an example of the kind of accountability on which God holds me to for those who are entrusted to me. Likewise to you, you are also given a responsibility to respond to why you're not receiving instruction. There are things you cannot go ask God because they've already been given to you. We need to make a difference between the things that God has already provided for us to do. When you think of scriptures like every tongue that rises against you, you will condemn. 
The Bible says you will condemn. Jesus will not condemn it for you. God will not condemn it for you. You've already been given the life, the power of life and death in the tongue. So it is up to you to condemn everything that rises against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, you will condemn. So God is not going to do things he's already equipped you to do for yourself. There's an example that I really love from an old minister who uh, he's late now. He passed uh, a couple years back. His name was Kenneth E. Hagin. I love Kenneth E. Hagin. He was a great demonstrator of the power of God, of faith, of teaching, um, the ways of the Holy Spirit. And he gave an example one time where he had a visitation and encounter with the Lord and the Lord came into his room as he was lying down and pulled the chair and sat down and they started having a conversation. As they were speaking, there was something that looked like a little monkey, right? That was sent, obviously, by the enemy that was sent and was moving between him and Jesus. Now, this monkey was jumping, jumping. This monkey was making noise. This monkey was basically obstructing the vision of Kenneth and Jesus and the conversation that's going on. But he notices something strange. Jesus kept talking, even if he himself was not able to hear what Jesus is saying. And then he asked himself, surely this is the son of God. This is Jesus himself. He can see that I can't hear. He can see that I have difficulties hearing what he's saying. So why does he keep speaking when everything that comes out of his mouth is beneficial to me? And yet he keeps speaking when he knows I'm not listening. That's a good question. And he keeps wondering, Jesus, I'm not listening. I'm not listening yet. Jesus keeps speaking with peace. He keeps speaking with a very poised posture. And then he says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The monkey disappeared immediately. And then his first question to Jesus is, why did you keep talking? I missed half of the instruction because of this. And Jesus said, I have given you this power to rebuke devils, to heal the sick, to speak a word in season for the weary. I cannot do it for you, for I have already given you that power. That was such an, a mind-boggling thing for me to know that there are things I have the power to deal with without needing to go and take 40 days fast and do this and that because that power is in there. Many of the things we fail to do as Christians is not that it's not possible. It's simply because we have not connected to the understanding that makes it possible for us. And Even as I preach this to you, I preach the same thing to myself. There are things that I purpose to exercise myself into until its perfection comes into my life as a child of God because it has already been given to us. So as one who is submitted, it is your responsibility to listen to obey, to understand the instruction that's coming from the man or the woman who's been ordained for your service in truth and in love. And you will be judged accordingly. There will be instruction that you will refuse and that will cost you dearly. 
There are things that you will decide to do and those will cost you dearly. When you look back, you realize that there was somebody who gave me advice. There was somebody who spoke of these things, not because they are a prophet or anything, but because God had ordained them for your peace in that season. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. So give them reason to this with joy, to do this with joy and not with sorrow. I'll tell you the truth, walking with people, there will be people who listen to you when you are speaking what they want to hear. There will be people who will listen to you when the advice you're giving is just plainly advantaging them in the beginning. But some of the things that God demands of us require a certain process. This process may be painful, but it's growing pains. It means it's a pain that is growing you. It's a pain that is advantaging you. It's a pain that is increasing you. And when Paul writes, give them a reason to be accountable to God for your souls with joy and not sorrow, that would certainly benefit you even more, even more. He ends the scripture by saying that would certainly not be for your benefit. That means whenever they do something in sorrow, it's not for your benefit. If this person is blessing you, if this person is speaking in your life, is this person pouring in you and they tell you, do not be involved in this extramarital affair. Do not be involved in this business because I perceive that your money is going to be stolen or this business is going to be bankrupt. And you're like, you guys are enemies of progress. Do not get into this relationship because this young man is unequally yoked to you or he's just recently gotten saved. And not that the the saving power of God cannot transform someone, but give it time. Let them grow. Let them have their experiences in God. Let them not place you on a high pedestal at the beginning of their journey so that you end up becoming their idol God. But when this person who is accountable to God for you tells you this and you do not receive it, then they will pray in sorrow. They will wonder why you're not listening. They will go to God and say, Lord, I've done my part. You watch over them. There will be your wedding or there will be the day where you are celebrating this business investment and they can't even be able to attend because of the sorrow in the heart that they have. Because guess what? Any person who's been ordained to be over you, to be your covering, when you grieve the spirit of God, they grieve alongside that spirit. They feel how God feels because I cannot be able to lead you if I'm not able to feel God's heart after you. If I'm not able to have a certain compassion that equates the one God has for you in that season. Let that thought sink in and think of how greatly that would impact the person who's there, but also to your benefit when that fails. And lastly, accountability. I've already spoken on accountability multiple times, so I'm just going to be really brief with this and we can pray and finish that you may have something to ponder on today. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, because in the multitude of counselors there is safety, says the Bible in Proverbs eleven fourteen. This is one of my most 
appreciated scriptures because if there are so many years in my life that I wasted thinking I knew so much only to realize I didn't know anything and pride definitely goes before fall because I genuinely thought ah what I know is going to work for me so naturally when imitation and submission have been shown it's impossible to separate them from accountability because they're kind of married together Every time God has desired to do something significant in the world, he looks for a man or a woman to send. So it is with this responsibility that refusing this spiritual authority, refusing help from God that comes in the form of men and women is making yourself inaccessible like an island and surely pride goes before a fall even in the things of god you might think you know enough or you know too much and you don't need any guidance but even the president of the nation even the king needs advisors even any man you can think of will need advisors they will need friends they will need accountability they'll need a church they'll need a pastor Yes, you might know a lot of things, but if you getting married, you're not going to marry yourself. You'll need an officiant to do that for you. Yes, you think you know a lot of things in businesses, but there will always be a man or a woman who has succeeded in the same business more than you. There will be something you're looking forward to. There will be books that were written to give you some extra knowledge from people who have done the things that you're trying to excel into. So every man and woman who is serious about their salvation has come to understand the importance of sitting under one teacher because when you have multiple then your seeds are mixed your mind cannot connect exactly to what the lord is trying to say or pour in your life because it's coming from different people unless they're all under one hierarchy you all have one spiritual father and then you have the grace to listen to two or three of his spiritual children himself but otherwise your seeds will be missed and you will be unable to know what exactly is instructing you because you're receiving from different altars there's something in um in the west i believe in many nation in many nations in europe and uh and the americas uh you need to have a personal care provider so for example there has to be uh what we call a a a doctor a physician who does like general checkups who knows your case like we do basically in Rwanda you you just have like you can go to a to an ophthalmologist for your eyes and then tomorrow you go to a dentist and then tomorrow you don't need to give account of what other doctors you have seen before But in the west it's different you need the personal care provider this is a a a a medical practitioner a physician who takes care of you who runs yearly checkups with you who you see before you can see any other doctor so it means if for example you need to see a doctor for the eyes you'll go to your per personal care practitioner and this person will give you a referral to a different ophthalmologist but it starts with them without their referral you are not able to get an appointment easily and even if you get it you pay twice the money you would have paid if you had been referred by the personal care provider so 
it's very every man in this nation in america in in europe every man has a personal care provider assigned to them they know your case they know you when you are young unless you move states and you have another one they still have to transfer your details to whatever state you're going to so it has to start somewhere many people have personal care providers as long as god lends them life they have many personal um pcps that provide service from when they were teenagers then they become adults then they get married then now they are family doctors who take care of their husbands and their children and they know that this child was born with sinuses and then now they're gone they can tell you the whole case off head and i think this is a great model because then you have someone who is accountable for you you have someone who can be asked different details about your anatomy your body your thoughts how you process information and everything so that every other doctor referral who comes afterwards already have medical solid ground to stand on and it makes it easy i mean we know that medicine is advanced in these nations and i believe very strongly that's one of the things that has caused it to be disadvanced and so it is even in the spirit this accountability enables you to see in hindsight how far you've come but also to march ahead with confidence that there is someone who is being held accountable for you but who you also submit to without causing them sorrow in their hearts and causing them to do that very task because when it comes to them it's a responsibility given by god they don't owe you anything but because they owe something to God in that don't cause them to drag their feet in serving you in that manner shall we pray father i bless your name for this word i bless your name for every man and woman who's listened to it who's being transformed by it the bible tells us that we plant and others water but you are the one who gives the increase so i thank you for every fertile ground that has received this word that you will water it that you will continue to grow it in every aspect that every other message that is preached lord is of christ and will not come so tears in this very field but will come watering and 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 giving even more and more substance to this to this seed that has been planted a bless every person who's listening to me lord that you will open their eyes for those that have no teachers your word tells us that our teachers shall not be far from us neither shall they be hidden i pray lord that you will give us the grace to break down this even more for it's such an important thing for every believer to have a form of covering over them we thank you that you've already set everything in motion to advantage us to the glory of your name we thank you that everything that we ask you in his name you make haste to perform and we give you praise we give you glory and we give you honor we thank you lord that to you who's able to do abundantly and exceedingly you will expand this messages even further than i have gone in this episode lord and you will gather us back here to receive more from your throne more grace and peace and um per- perseverance for the things that are ethical and that are divine 
We thank you that it is so and cannot be otherwise to the glory of your mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Thank you for sticking through today. We'll be right back here, same time on Monday. You are blessed. Have a wonderful rest of your week.